0: Welcome to the well Season Librarian Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. This is Season 13, Episode 8. Today I'm speaking with a couple of local authors, Carrie Jones and John McCarthy. Carrie Jones is a food and spirits writer who has traveled the world to report on cocktails and spirits. She previously served as the managing editor of Serious Eats, and her work has appeared in Food and Wine, Travel and Leisure, and Sevier, among many others. Every Cocktail Has a Twist is her third cocktail book, and her second co-authored with her husband, John McCarthy. Carrie lives in Sonoma County, California. John McCarthy is a mixologist and spirits writer who has appeared in Good Morning America and today.com among many other media outlets. Every Cocktail Has a Twist is a second cocktail book co-authored with his wife Carrie. After a 2018 release of their Be Your Own Bartender, he lives in Sonoma County, California also. They have a new book out, Every Cocktail Has a Twist. Master 25 classic drinks, and craft more than 200. That is available for purchase today through all outlets, and you can get it at all better bookstores as well. We're gonna have a link for that and their previous book in the bio, check that out. We're also gonna be including some listings for appearances if you live in the Bay Area. Without further ado, I'm gonna take you to my conversation with the wonderful Carrie Jones and John McCarthy welcome to the well-seasoned librarian podcast i'm your host dean jones today i'm speaking with locals carrie jones and john mccarthy carrie and john thank you for being on the podcast
1: thanks for having us Thanks for having
0: us now your book um, every cocktail has a twist master 25 classic drinks and crafts more than 200 variations is going to be out on uh, the 7th are you really excited about this release date and having this book come out
1: we are, absolutely. This Super has been a uh, labor of love for the last three years or so. Um, and we're excited to get to the moment where it's really in people's hands.
0: Now, um, I want to start off uh, before we start talking about the book. Um, can we talk about you two a little bit? Uh, where are you from and uh, where do you live now?
1: So we live in Sonoma County. Uh, so we're, you know, pretty close to you, not too far. Um yep. We met in New York City um more than 10 years ago. And John's a career mixologist and I'm a writer. I write about food, travel, spirits, kind of anything in that realm. Um, the way we met is actually that I wrote about a bar program John was doing. So I reviewed him. Yeah, that's the joke. <laughs> the
2: joke is she reviewed me.
1: And um We started writing together a few years later. Uh, We had a column for Food & Wine magazine's website that's called Liquor Cabinet Roulette that was really for the bartender. Um, We would choose a different ingredient every week and really kind of tell people just about it and also how to make drinks with it. And this was not for other fancy mixologists. This was for for anyone.
2: Yeah, for the home bartender. And it was, we would do things like, you know, you're out at the bar and you saw that bottle and the bartender told you about it, or it was, you know, in the drink, but you have no idea what it is. Like, for example, you know, Campari. Um, yeah. But, but we do like more esoteric things too, but, um, and then we would make three drinks, easy, medium, hard, and hard would be like, would be, or advanced would be like, you know, using an egg or muddling or something like that. Whereas easy would be, you know.
1: Campari uh, and soda uh, with uh, an uh, orange. Yeah, high Delicious. You know, yeah. and yeah.
2: And so we kind of take people through, uh, what to do with that product, and and we did it for se- seven years. Um, and out of that, we did our first book, uh, "Be Your Own Bartender."
0: Yeah, I want to talk about that book a little bit. "Be Your Own Bartender" came out in 2018. Can we talk about this little book, this book, a little bit, and why you decided to write it?
1: Absolutely. So we like to call it uh, the world's first flowchart cocktail book. Um, it's divided into chapters by base spirits. So, you know, tequila, rum, things like that. But the start of every chapter um, is a flowchart to help you find your perfect drink. So it might be things as simple as um, Do you have a lot of time for this drink? Or is it, do you want a highball you can put together in two seconds? And is this just for you? Is it for a party? Is this for a brunch in spring? Or you know, a, a dinner party for New Year's Eve, yeah, stuff I think like
2: that. Like in the whiskey, I think there's a flow in the flow chart. It's like, are you sitting alone by the fireplace? Or are you sitting with someone by the fireplace?
0: And I like that. I like yeah. that. That's a good addition. That's a really good idea.
1: Because it's a slightly that, that different You're going to make a different great. you, want, drink, you, want you want know? <laughs> um, and we think um, there's so many great cocktail books out there, but sometimes as a, as a user, as a reader, you're just confronted with, you know, a hundred recipes and you don't know where to start. And so something we really wanted to do and be your own bartender, um, in the, in, you know, we think flow charts are fun because we're nerds, um, in a fun way is just really get people engaged and say, well, okay, what kind of drink do I want? And then flip to that page and maybe it's something you like and And kind of go from there. It
2: like empowers the reader too, to kind of make their own choices as opposed to um, just getting a textbook thrown in your face
0: and and then trying to figure out what to make, you know? Well, yeah, I mean the old Mr. Boston, I think was the standard for a lot of people that they had, if they wanted to have a bartending guide and it was kind of the opposite of what you guys did. It was just like name of a drink. This is the ingredients name of a drink. This is the ingredients. And you're like, do I have this? Do I not have it? Do I have to go out and get something? But this is the opposite, right? This is kind of like, it's an index kind of almost, you guys are kind of like, uh, picking up, I think, the librarian vibe a little bit with indexing and uh, cataloging. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like almost like a, a card catalog for for people who like to make drinks. I like that.
1: It is. And and in Be Your Own Bartender in particular, um, if we use an ingredient that's a little bit unusual, say pomplemousse, which is a grapefruit liqueur we love, um, at the end of that cocktail recipe, we'll say, well, hey, if you liked pomplemousse, here are three other places you can use it in the book. Um, so it's a- all about accessibility we made a real
2: point in in both books and in in our new book as well every cocktail has a twist if we ask you to go buy something if you have to go buy something to use to make a drink we're gonna have more than one drink for you to make in the book like if you have to go get an ingredient we it's like a point of pride to make sure that there's one or two more at least drinks
0: that you can make with that with that uh ingredient
1: so you're not stuck with a 95 percent full bottle for the rest of eternity
0: well, yeah, that's a really good point you guys make, because I'm one of the several people who had a hard time finding Campari in the last few years. And when I did finally get a, bo- a bottle of Campari, I was like, all right, I can make an I can make a Groni. I could make a Campari and soda. What the hell else can I do with this? <laughs> and I still have a largely a- almost more than half full bottle. And I like cooking with it and stuff, but I was kind of like, well, what else can I do with this? And you guys are providing a great index for this. Like, you know, the kind of like, if you like this, let's also try this. And I like that very good
1: that's very that's the idea yeah yeah, that's
0: our that's our goal your new book is every cocktail has a twist master 25 classic drinks and craft more than 200 variations and it's going to be out as of this uh, airing um so what did you want to do with this and 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 what what were your thoughts when you decided to create this uh, book
1: well we think that People, whether or not they um tend to make cocktails at home, they probably have a sense of what their favorite drink is or, or multiple favorite drinks. You know, you if if you've been to bars, if you order cocktails, you know if you're a martini person or a spritz person or a Negroni person, and you might be all of those things on different days. But these are drinks that most people, if they have, you know, even a little bit of familiarity with cocktails, they'll have a sense of it of whether that's their drink or not. Um and so we wanted to focus on those classic drinks, as we call them, um, to kind of give people a place to start within the book and say, hey, if you're an old-fashioned person, here's the history of the drink. Here's how to make a great one. But here are 10 other recipes that have a lot in common with the old, with, you know, they're riffs on the old-fashioned, yeah. essentially, that you'll probably also like quite a lot.
2: One of our thoughts with, you know, determining classics, the, the, our thought was, you were at a bar and you heard somebody order it but
1: like, you know what it is Yeah, and you know
2: what it is you may, you've, maybe you've never had a bloody mary but you've heard of them it's in you know culture and for people order them you've seen it on tables um and so you know and, for, and another would be like an espresso martini you know maybe you've never had one and you know technically is it a classic i mean it's a new classic i would say but um uh if you've never had one what is it how do you make it and then um what else can you make beyond the, the the
0: original? Did you have trouble kind of narrowing it down to 25 class? How did you come up with the classic cocktail list?
1: A lot, a lot of, of, of discussion debate. and debate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
0: would say. Because some are
2: similar. It's, you know, um, the the difference between. Um, uh,
1: a Gimlet and a daiquiri. Yeah, a
2: gimlet and a daiquiri, you know, and like it's a Cosmo game in its own chapter is a cosmo a gimlet or is a cosmo a daiquiri.
1: <laughs> or or is it neither? Is it, you know, yeah. You don't want it. So yeah. I think um about maybe 15 of the 25 came to us pretty naturally. There's no way you would write this book without a martini and old fashioned Manhattan. Things like that. Um but others the margarita. the margarita, exactly. That's one of our favorite chapters. But there are others that are just drinks people like. So is a great example. Um I don't know if the you know formal books with classic cocktails would call it eggnog its own genre they, yeah. they wouldn't they'd call it a flip but
2: yeah yeah and that was another thing we had to go to was like okay how like carrie said technically an eggnog is a style of drink called a flip and a flip is like you know goes way back um and it just means it has an egg in it and it's a whole egg and yeah.
1: but to the average drinker eggnog is its own thing you know exactly what eggnog is what it tastes like it has nutmeg you serve it around the holidays. Um, and so kind of tapping into something like that, that people have a lot of familiarity with, and then riffing on that was very much where we wanted to go for this book.
2: To try and we were, one of our goals was to, again, we're always trying to make it as accessible as possible. So we, we had to stop ourselves from going too far down the rabbit hole and geeking out because we, um, that's a different book. We wanted to make a book that is, you know, the things are recognizable and accessible.
0: I want to really um, talk about your guys' sense of humor, because some of these drinks are so clever and fun. And I really get a sense of your guys' playfulness and creativity, and also your sense of humor. So I want to kind of mention a few um, drink names. And if uh, you want to kind of talk about them, go ahead. And if not, we'll go to the next one. The first one is the, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, because it's got the uh, the two exclamation points, the Dale
1: Dale, <laughs> Dale.
0: The Dale, sorry, sorry. Okay, sorry. That how I pronounce it. Okay. Pitbull reference. Right? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Uh,
1: I'm, a, I'm a big Pitbull fan, and that's kind of his his catchphrase. Dale. Dale. Okay. <laughs>
0: um, I'm showing my age.
1: Very, very loosely translated, just kind of means like "let's go." Um, and and that's a really fun drink. We have it in the espresso martini chapter. And what it is is it's kind of a cross between a great iced latte and a Caribbean rum drink, um, and and it's just a really it's a really fun drink that has it has a little condensed milk to kind of pick up that Caribbean vibe, a great dark rum, um, and when you think about what Nespresso Martini is to us, it's something that combines you know a, a punchy cocktail with really great rich coffee flavors. Um, and so this just kind of takes that in a really fun, icy Caribbean direction.
2: Yeah, tall with um, uh, either crushed or nugget ice, if possible, and
1: totally put an umbrella on it,
2: you know, like that, that's a drink that's like, yeah, I'm having this in Miami, (laughs) you know, I'm having, I'm having this in the heat.
0: You have some really classic stuff, like a pitcher, a pitcher Pims, which is a kind of something to make for a group. You have the Delightful, fun things like the pickle holiday, which is a dirty martini with a cornichon um, pickle, Uh, blue cheese dill martini, which is blue cheese and dill to your instilling that in your vodka. I really liked uh, the clever night watch, which is a Negroni with a dose of cold brew coffee. Um, Do you want to talk about any of these? Also, the Mister Worldwide, which is a Mojito with coconut (laughs) Lacroix.
1: You, yeah. have, you have both of our pit, yeah, references. Of our pit bull references. Yeah, both our references. 211
0: drinks. that's
1: funny. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me. Um, let's see, those are those are a bunch of our favorites. Um, where should we start? I think in our years and years and years of just playing around with different cocktails, um, one of the most fun flavor combinations that John discovered, actually, I was a little skeptical at first. Yeah, you didn't but, believe um, me. Man. I
2: was like, this is going to be good.
1: Uh, the combination of capari and coffee um and just the different it's
2: just they work so well
1: together just the different bitter notes the complexity there's just really um a synergy there with those two ingredients so yeah. kind of incorporating that into a negroni is just a really exciting drink we love that drink and it's yep, yeah, and yeah, shaken It's
2: shaken and one of the like kind of the, you know rules not rules is typically if something has citrus in it you shake it if something doesn't it's usually stirred that's not always the case, and um, but, it's often the case. but it's often the case. But in in, in that drink, um, when you shake any coffee, you get a thick, foamy head on it. Um, so that's shaken um, so that you get that froth, which is really nice.
1: Great drink.
0: As I mentioned to you before we started recording, I think this book is going to be a really, really stellar book for the uh, holidays. It's going to be a great, I think, kind of a no-brainer gift for people that love, uh, you know, mixing drinks and stuff. It's going to be just a perfect gift. Um, we have a lot of winter holiday variations that I kind of want to talk about because um, because some of these are really stellar and very, very fun and inventive. Uh, first off, I want to talk about the, uh, the Run Run Radol- Rudolph.
1: That's a fabulous drink. That's what... Um... Our joke is that that's what Santa Claus really wants you to put out on Christmas Eve. You know, it's not the carrots for the reindeer. It's not a cookie. Like what he really wants is an Irish coffee eggnog. (laughs) Um, So that kind of starts from our classic eggnog base um, and then goes in an Irish coffee direction with some whiskey and some great coffee liqueur. Um, And it's just, it's everything you'd like about an eggnog, but with this, you know, kind of the guts of an Irish coffee, that's a, that's a fun drink. Yeah, it's a lot of fun.
0: Now, you have some really inventive ways with eggnog. Um, Do you want to talk about the different variations? Because I'm looking at a list, and there's not just a couple things. There's a lot of different things with eggnog on here that are really clever. Do you want to kind of talk about how the versatility of eggnog and how you like to use it?
2: Yeah. Well, the first thing we worked on was just the different methods to make your eggnog base. Um, Because there's the you know, traditional way where you're separating your egg whites from your egg yolks and you're folding them back in together and, um, and making it fresh and, you know, you're making it and then drinking it as soon as it's cold enough, which has its own light fluffy quality to it. Um, but then there's a great method we have where you put everything into a blender and hit pulse and, you know, mix it all up and you have instant eggnog base, um, which is really easy. Um, and, and especially
1: because you're, if you're making eggnog, it's probably not one. You're probably yeah. making it for a party.
2: And you can make it. You can make it ahead of time, um, and you can make it. We mentioned a the drink. Um, there's a classic style of drink that's called a flip. When you had add a whole egg. Um, well, if you just do a whole egg and some half and half or heavy cream, you can in a cocktail shaker make an eggnog. You know, a la minute, as they say, um, just just right away. Another thing with the eggnog too is when you add the alcohol, acts as a preservative, so you can age eggnog. Which sounds like what? There's eggs in there, but you but the alcohol will preserve it. And aged eggnog is fantastic.
1: We've had months mm. old eggnog, six, yeah, older. Yeah, I think we made six, some eggnog yeah. in July last year that we served I had a to Christmas family and friends, and, and
2: over the holidays it was very fantastic.
0: Mm. Keep it refrigerated,
2: <laughs> you know. Definitely keep it refrigerated. Yeah. Keep it refrigerated. Yeah. But the alcohol preserves it and it, it's fantastic.
0: You guys also have other things for the winter holidays too. And I know that uh, Sonoma gets all that fog and gets uh, very cold, chilly in the winter time. You have some nice hot drinks like hot toddies and things. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. We love, I mean, we love a classic hot toddy, just, you know, whiskey, honey, lemon, hot water. That's That's kind of all you need. But it's also a really fun just template to play with. And, you know, 95% of drinks you'll get out there are chilled, served over ice, and you know, that's all well and good, but there's, there's a lot you can do in the hot cocktail world um, that people might not know about. And so you can certainly have whiskey as the base for a hot toddy, but there's so many other spirits you can as well. Um, one that we really love is called the Jack Rose toddy. And so that's a play on a early 20th century classic called the Jack Rose um, that's made with Applejack, American apple brandy, um, grenadine and citrus juice. And mm. so the way we kind of do a riff on it as a hot drink is it has a base of that Applejack. Um, and then originally grenadine was essentially a reduced pomegranate syrup. Um, so not the bright, bright red stuff you get in Shirley temples, but something a good bit more sophisticated. So. Um, to pick up on that, together with the applejack, we do a bit of 100% pomegranate juice, um, then with hot water and a little citrus. That's a that's a great drink. Yeah, and just so many fall winter flavors uh, between the apple, and the pomegranate.
2: And there's a there's um with hot toddies, there's there's a soothing, you know, cuddly, you know, like there's something it the make, yeah, it makes you feel good, <laughs> you know, it makes you feel warm and cozy you know like somebody's you know somebody's giving you a hug <laughs> when you're sipping on a hot
0: toddy i love that you guys also have some great ways with uh, champagne drinks for the uh new year's eve holiday can you talk about some of those variations as well well we love bubbles
1: we do love bubbles we are
0: bubble people we <laughs>
1: <laughs> um and i think that When you think about sparkling cocktails, you might not expect them to be good for parties because of course, as soon as you pour out the bubbles, they start to dissipate, but we actually love serving them for events. And what we do is we, um, so the word batch is bartender parlance for basically just put together ahead of time. We batch all the other ingredients. So for a French 75, for example, that would mean that in advance, we combine gin, the lemon juice, the simple syrup. We get that all together in a bottle. We chill it. We chill our champagne, and then um, to pour out drinks for a party, you just you know you have your base, your batch, and then you tap it with a little bit of bubbles. And we love serving drinks that way throughout the year. If we throw a party, you're definitely getting a sparkling cocktail. Yeah. Um,
2: who doesn't want Who doesn't want you know a, a bubbly a bubbly cocktail?
1: Yeah, there's just something really festive about it, it. Especially
2: at a party, it just it makes you feel light, light and bubbly.
0: Yeah, it makes you feel like the Great Gatsby.
2: <laughs>
0: exactly. You also have a great selection of citrus drinks for the holidays. I really like this. I always like to do uh, solstice celebrations. And this to me seems like it could be the perfect thing for a solstice celebration. Can you talk about some of the citrus-influenced beverages you have for the holidays?
1: Absolutely. Um, so we, we just spoke about French 75s. Um, and so kind of the template we look at for that, so the classic is gin or cognac. Um, lemon and sugar and then with a big pour of sparkling wine so when we look at that kind of in a broader sense we're thinking okay what's a drink in that kind of sour style that you can then top with bubbles so we can swap out the citrus we can swap out um, we can swap out the sweetener we can swap out the spirit things like that so we have a really fun drink called um with bells on that stars blood orange juice um and you know like you were we're Californians and so winter citrus is just absolutely where it's at oh, yeah. um and so this is it's, it's pretty close to a traditional French 75 but we use both blood orange juice and a little bit of pomegranate juice um and then some orange bitters to balance that all out and then um a big pour of sparkling wine and so you just get this gorgeous gorgeous color um from both the blood orange juice and the pomegranate but
2: yeah that's a great party drink that's
1: a great party drink um But just there's nothing like those winter citrus flavors, you know, you you get them and they're gone, but there's, there's nothing you can compare um, a ripe blood orange to, or a Meyer lemon to. They're just their own creatures. Yeah,
2: their own thing.
0: I wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, you have a lot of listings um, here, summer drinks too, and then as well, there's um, information on making drinks for larger occasions. And I think this kind of talks. We we talked about this a bit with the pitcher drinks and stuff like that. You can kind of prepare, and large occasions and weddings. Can you talk about the, that a little bit and uh, what you wanted to do with that for pe- to help people out who might be serving a lot of people but don't want to be you know tied down to the bar all day.
2: Yeah, we. Um... Well, in my, in my uh, work, do, you know, doing events and such, I, you know, when I have to make, you know, cocktails for 300 people or 100 people or 50 people, it's, you can't, to do that one at a time is gonna, everybody's gonna be waiting a long time for those drinks. Yeah. Uh, so I would do as much as I could ahead of time. Um, and, we st- and we do that now for, you know, at home um, pre-batching is, you know, what, what we call it. Um, and you, you, we try to do for the book, every, every drink that we can to show you how you can take this drink, um, multiply it by, you know, four, six, 12, uh, and get it all set ahead of time. Um, so that you really just have to do the, the last finishing touches. Like if the, the best is like when we were just talk when we talk about like sparkling drinks, we'll have everything batched out in a bottle, and then we can just pour that over ice, add the sparkling wine and add a garnish. Um, Same thing with, if it's a stirred drink, then we're really ready to go if we've batched it all together ahead of time. Um, And what I'll do is we'll take all the ingredients, you know, I'll put them in a, you know, uh, uh, a large format um, container, and then I will um, put them into their own uh, bottles so that I have them bottled and ready to go.
1: Oh, and like a lot that. of it is understanding which drinks um, this works well with because most, yeah. most drinks, whether they're stirred like a martini, um, shaken like a daiquiri, you can um, make ahead of time. There's certain ones where it doesn't work so well. For example, muddled drinks are kind yeah, of notoriously yeah. hard to do in a batch. Yeah. Anything with an egg white can be pretty tricky. Um, so we try to really highlight um, those drinks that that do work well to to make ahead of time Um, and and one other thing um that i think john has kind of refined through years and years of doing this is if you're not shaking or stirring every drink to order there are ways that you kind of work that into the recipe for example when you're making an old-fashioned and you stir the drink over ice you're not just chilling it down you're actually melting some of the ice and there's up to an ounce of water in that drink just from the ice melt. Um, oh, wow. And that really, it's, it's more than you would think. It's yeah. absolutely more than you would think. And that water is an important ingredient um, because it helps the different flavors integrate. And if you- It opens
2: up the flavors. It opens
1: up the flavors. And if you've had um, a stiff drink that's insufficiently stirred, it'll just taste boozy. It'll yeah. taste harsh. If you've um, had
2: that drink at the cocktail bar that comes to you and it's on the big rock, and you taste it and it's just like, whoa, so boozy. And it's not till much later that it starts to open up and relax. It's because it wasn't, they didn't stir it. They didn't (laughs) stir it enough,
1: yeah. So something we'll do if we're making a lot of martinis or Manhattans at once, for example, is actually add water right into the cocktail base because we're, to replicate what you would get from that stirring. Um, And it's not about watering your drink down, it's just about getting the right It's all balance. Yeah, it's
2: all about balance. Cause water is, is, you know, uh, the most important ingredient in any cocktail. I mean, it's in, you can't, you can't have it without water, you know?
0: Nice. Do you have any recommendations for people? I mean, outside of buying your books, which I would recommend, but for somebody who wants to set up a bar and start doing drinks, what do you, what are some of the beginning things you can start doing? Well,
2: first is picking your base spirits, you know, like what do you you like to drink? And that might be an exploration in itself of do I like bourbon or do I like rye whiskey? Do I I like scotch, Irish, or am I a tequila person?
1: I think that there's a temptation when setting up a home bar to kind of think of a a catering bar at a wedding or something that you need a little bit of everything, but you don't necessarily, if you start building from what you like um, or what you like to serve when you have friends over, Um, If you're a margarita person, you might start with two great tequilas and a great orange liqueur. If you're a martini person, you might start with gin and vodka. Um, But there's no reason to run out and buy one of everything unless you're just doing it for the picture and you you spend a lot of money. You don't need to that way. Um, And then the other thing is just um, good equipment, just the way you wouldn't try to make cookies without you know, an oven, a mixer, <laughs> things, things like that. Um,
2: a proper baking sheet. A
1: proper baking sheet, exactly. They're, um, they're just very basic tools that you can get online or at any kitchen store um, that you really need as a bartender. Yeah. So jiggers in order to measure your liquid ingredients properly, shaking tins um, so that you can shake cocktails, yeah. strainers so that you can strain out the ice, and I mean, those are the, yeah. if you, if you have I mean, that, you can go along. Long you way.
2: don't technically, I mean, you don't need a mixing glass to stir a drink. You could do it in a cocktail shaker, but it's uh, a lot sexier, but it's a lot. Glass. Yeah. Mixing glasses are sexy. Cause they're, you know, pretty.
0: <laughs> I'm a, um, you probably answered this question a million times, but I have to ask it just cause I'm a largely martini fan and everybody's heard the uh, James Bond thing, uh, I like a vodka martini shaken, not stirred. And you know, we always hear that. What is your idea of the perfect martini? How do you like it prepared? Not shaken. Not shaken.
2: <laughs> when when you shake, you're aerating, so um, your shaken martini is going to be um, foamy, you know, bubbly. Oh. Um, and, um And
1: not not in the way that like a glass of champagne would be bubbly, but yeah. you are going to have small air bubbles the, the, in it. It's going to take away from the clarity of the drink um,
2: and the silkiness and the, and the, and the smoothness. Like um, it's for when, when you're stirring, um, if we think of it like in the, the, the cooking would be like you're folding in yeah. ingredients as opposed to when you're shaking, you're whisking um, is, is the big difference. So for a, um, the perfect martini for me um, is a London dry. Um, gin. Gin. Sorry. It's a gin drink. Um with uh dry vermouths. There's a, there's been an explosion of uh new vermouths out there. You can you can get and, and and the old school, a lot of old school ones like have upped their game. So Vermouths mm-hmm. like ver- Vermouths really America lost Vermouth uh in prohibition and we never really got it back. Yeah. um but until, now. until now. Um but And there, I mean, there are these fantastic Spanish vermouths um, that we love. Um, So, and, and with vermouth, vermouth is um, every vermouth is different because it's, it's fortified wine infused with botanicals, herbs and botanicals. So they're all so unique and individual. So that's a place to really explore is with, with vermouths, because then you have your vodka, your gin as your base, and then you can really play around with the vermouths and each vermouth is going to give you a, a very different experience. Um, and then a key ingredient to me for a gin martini, it's orange bitters. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's it's London Dry Gin, it's a great vermouth, orange bitters, and, and a lemon peel. You express the uh, the skin. Um, uh, in the citrus uh, skin, there is the oil. So you express the um, the skin side down over the top of the drink and then rub the peel around the edge of the drink and it'll put all that oil there. So your first experience of the drink will be smelling all that. Lemon oil, um, before you even get to the drink. It's and then your last experience will be the lemon oil on your lips. Um, so it's a whole like arc of the drink. Not that I'm too into it or anything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's a perfect example of a drink that doesn't have many ingredients. It's, I mean, if you look at a list, it's really just gin and vermouth. But then the bitters play such a role. The the citrus garnish plays such a role.
2: Chilling it properly, and and you need you know the again that's a drink where like Carrie was saying, this, the, the the stirring it over ice isn't just about cooling it down. It's about adding that, uh, that water dilution to the drink because that water is going to open up the flavors and smooth it down and make it more palatable.
1: Um, but then I would add that one really fun thing about this book is, so that's John's ideal martini. I would say my ideal martini's pretty darn close. I think we like a lot of the same things, but we also have tons of recipes in this book for vodka drinkers. If you yeah. like a dirty vodka martini, that's Let's awesome. And we gave yeah. you a recipe for it. Yeah. If one of my, uh, kind of sentimental favorites is a martini named after my grandpa, Jack, um, who's had a tank wow. on a martini. Every gosh darn day for the last seventy years or so, and
2: has had a written, just a written recipe for it for like forty years,
1: and it's basically <laughs> just a lot of tanqueray over ice. <laughs> but you know, if you want a really, really strong gin martini, it's good. It's great, and that's how you make it. Man um,
2: I mean, after my own we, heart. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, and we and we played around with stuff too, like um, the infusion with the dill and the blue cheese. It's like there's a the Technique is called fat washing when you're adding something that has fat content in it. Um, yeah. Uh, which made a great one. And then, you know, like everybody loves a, a dirty martini. And so then we um, just switched it up just a little bit um, by instead of olive brine using um, the brine from um, Cornerstone Pickles, um, which came out really
0: lovely.
1: That's a great drink.
0: Yeah. Pickle holiday. Pickle holiday. You mentioned bitters. Can we talk about bitters a little bit? There's been an explosion of bitters. I remember when I was young, there was always the ubiquitous uh, little bottle of Agnostura bitters that was in every grocery store. And now I've seen all kinds of people making bitters and artisan bitters. Can we discuss that a little bit for people might not be aware of that? Sure.
2: Uh, I've been making uh, uh, bitters for different bar programs for for years. and yeah there's an ex, there's an explosion um, of bitters because what you're basically you're basically making an infusion um, and you need high proof alcohol to do it um, uh, There are some brands like fees that the base is glycerin um, but like Angostura is, Angostura you can get it at the grocery store but it's 45% alcohol. Oh wow I mean, <laughs> you, you can really have a party. With a bottle
1: of <laughs> vanilla extract, yeah, it, even it's yeah. mostly alcohol. So yeah. somehow it's it's uh, licensed differently. Yeah. But if you do a shot of Angostura, it'll it'll knock you back.
2: Uh, but bitters is a bitters is a great way to add uh, a concentrated uh, flavor um, that will add to the overall drink without having to um, have seven different ingredients, seven different ingredients added into it because that one drop of bitters um is going to um affect your whole drink with with all these flavors and there and all the different bitters out there now are getting more and more focused you get your burnt lemon bitters or your you know orange and and old-fashioned bitters which tends to have a lot of like um cinnamon allspice, spice nutmeggy kind of qualities to it um Bitters are a lot of fun. Bitters are, and and you can really add subtle nuance to a drink with um, a couple of dashes of, of bitters. And there's so many out there to explore with. One note on trying to taste bitters, because um, we actually taste more with our uh, sense of smell than with our with our tongue. Um, so
1: and bitters are just so concentrated. so concentrated. If you try to taste them, it'll just knock out your palate. You can't really get much from yeah, it, it, it. if you taste. Them straight.
2: Really intense. But if you put a drop of bitters in the palm of your hand and rub your hands together and then smell your your hand, like cup your hands and smell your smell your hands, that'll really tell you uh what it's gonna taste like by doing that, by smelling it.
1: Kind of waken all those aromatics up.
0: Yeah. I was gonna also ask you, um, we mentioned a little bit about like the thing about like having pitcher drinks and not stirring them. Are there any common mistakes that people make that are starting out in home bartending?
1: Several. Um, water. We, yeah. Do um, you want to start
2: that? Uh, well, what we, we were speaking of um, water. Ice isn't just there to get it cold, but it's to have that dilution and to have, the, you know, there's usually about an ounce of a stirred or shaken drink about an ounce of water comes out of that ice. And that's an integral part of the cocktail.
1: So if you shake a drink, it should be a, a shake with a lot of energy. If you stir it, it should be a good long stir at least 15 seconds. Yeah. And that's not just chilling it. Um, it's kind of introducing that the water element as well. One other thing is that um, we love a good shortcut. And if there's a shortcut, that's just as yeah, good as for as the original. That's great. There is no shortcut to fresh citrus juice. I should I should a bit like if if you're living in Manhattan and there's somewhere that services bars that, you know, juices a yeah. hundred lemons fresh every morning and you get that in a quart container and then you serve it in your drinks, that's fine. But yeah. things you can get at the grocery store, um, like in the in the little plastic containers that look like a lemon or a lime, it's just not even in the same world as a as fresh lemon yeah. juice. It's like yeah. the difference between packaged hammered bread and a fresh baguette. They're and, just not. Yeah. Like rather than taking that shortcut, just choose a drink without citrus. Yeah.
2: And you can you can make you can juice the day. Different juices have different lifespans. Um, you know, like watermelon juice, you got to use it immediately. You know, yeah. maybe maybe a couple hours. Same with cucumber, uh, but lemon juice you're going to get a couple of days if you have it refrigerated. And it's important when you're juicing citrus to strain out the pulp um, because the the pulp the membranes they're going to start decaying first and so it shortens the lifespan of your juice so if you get the pulp out oh. your juice, in the refrigerator your juice is going to last longer keep it sealed oh. um you can always freeze it um but uh you get the pulp out for sure
1: but if you're having a margarita party either you know have friends over ahead of time make them juice some limes or do some prep work yourself that morning or the day before but there's there's just no such thing as a good margarita With, uh, without, without fresh, fresh lime juice, lime juice. yeah
0: I have a lot of um, alcohol pet peeves. Uh, one of them is the grocery store jug uh, margarita mix. I'm I hate the sight of a uh, Fireball um, Goldschläger. I think was overused uh, to the point of ridiculousness. Um, Jägermeister got kind of really ridiculous there for a minute. Do you guys have any like pet peeves alcohol wise?
1: Those those are all valid. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <a lot> <laughs> we're not disagreeing with you at
2: all yeah yeah a lot a lot lot of things in the a lot of things in the early 90s that ended with teeny (laughs) yeah yeah that was ridiculous yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. Um, no i mean i like i i can't i can't drink a um uh, a sour mix like a like a like the uh, industrial sour mix um margarita I feel like I have like a allergic reaction to it or something. It's just the, 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 whatever the sweetener, I mean, I, maybe it's high fructose corn syrup that they're using in it. It's just too, it's just too much. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is something to say about, about sweetener is um, you use a sweetener, like Carrie likes to say um, sweeteners in cocktails is like salt in baking. Um, if you don't have it, it, you can tell, you know, and yeah. putting it the best way to use it is we, it's a sweetener is a binding agent. So it's going to take your different flavors, your citrus and your alcohol, and it's going to like bring them all together and hold them together. So when we use sweetener, um, or sweeteners, you know, um, agave, honey, dark sugar, cane sugar, uh, um, it's just to, um, bind the drinks together, not not to quote unquote sweeten them.
1: And I think it's very understandable that a lot of people don't like sweet cocktails because, you know, we'll pick on the nineties again, like for a long time, especially because of, you know, pre-made mixes, there were some really sweet, really terrible cocktails. And a lot of what that sugar was doing was disguising, trying to disguise the quality of poor alcohol. And so nothing, nothing good comes of that. But I think, um, you know, in our, in our recipes, we think of all of them as, as balanced. And these are not what even, you know, most cocktails have sweetener, but they're not what you would call sweet cocktails. And I think also, you know, people tend to be wary of calories, which is fine, but we did the math at one point and in an old fashioned, something like 14 of the calories end up coming from simple syrup and 160 come from whiskey. So you're not.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Our joke is if you're worried about the calories, um, have a glass of water.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. like that. Um, I want to ask you, are there any trends in bartending right now that you're really excited about, that you love, the things that are going on right now?
1: Um, this takes us a little bit away from the subject of our book, but um there's been an absolute explosion in really high quality, either non-alcoholic or very low alcoholic cocktail ingredients. Yeah. Um, and,
2: and, and base spirits. And base, like and base non, spirits,
1: like, kind yeah. of. Um,
2: alcohol-free bourbon, alcohol-free tequila.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time, those things kind of seemed like an oxymoron, but now people are just really putting serious thought and R&D into them. Um, and there's some great ones out there. And it's, it's, it's really fun because, you know, there are plenty of reasons people don't drink, whether permanently or on a given day and there are no, there's no reason that, you know, non-alcoholic drinks just need to be juice and soda, which they were for the longest time. And
2: I think it's pretty standard now. Um, I think you'd find on most cocktail menus now,
1: will have some sophisticated non-alcoholic Yeah. It
2: used to be just low ABV, low alcohol drinks, but now you really have to have, um, alcohol free cocktails on your menu.
1: And it's not just, Girl.
2: Yeah, and it's not ginger ale. Yeah, it's it's sophisticated and, and thoughtful.
1: So it's really fun to see the creativity in that. Um and you know, just kind of being more inclusive. Um, you know, everyone should be able to get a, a drink they like um at the bar or at someone's house while they're entertaining.
0: I, circling back to the book, I want to ask. When people are creating variation on some when they're using the, uh, um, the basic template and then they're creating variation, what should they be thinking about?
1: I think um, the word you just used, template, is exactly right. Because when you kind of look at classic cocktails, you can often break them down to their component parts. So for example, we talk a lot about the old fashioned in this respect. Um, You have the the bulk of the drink is usually whiskey um, and you have some kind of sweetener, some kind of bitter and some kind of citrus twist. And if you just look at those different components and you understand what each of them are doing, then you can start playing around um, what you like. So, for example, if, you know, you've had an old fashioned made with Angostura bitters and you do see those burnt lemon bitters in the store and you're interested in trying it, you know, kind of, swapping things like that, that are like for like, um, within the, the context of the recipe, I think is kind of a good place to get started.
2: Um, and if I may, just since we're talking about old-fashioned, I thought you, you might find this interesting is, the, um, the name, the old-fashioned, the original drink was just called a cocktail. Back, like this is, you know, colonial into the early 1800s when you had juleps and crustas and sangries and all, and a cocktail was, um, uh, any kind of booze, some form of uh, water, a bittering agent of some kind, a sweetener of some kind, and a citrus peel. Um, through time, it, it became. Can you make me a cocktail the old-fashioned way? And then it became oh, wow. um, the old-fashioned. Um, when co- you know when things stopped when cocktails started becoming the term for everything, then it was like, "Well, make me the old-fashioned kind of cocktail." Um, but it has, a, it, it has it has it has. And this again is like the template. It's like okay, you can have any kind of base. You can have a gin, old fashioned, any kind of sweetener. You know, um, it could be maple syrup, and, and then any kind of bitter, and then any kind of citrus peel it could be grapefruit. Um, and then you need the water. And um, originally, it didn't have to be ice, but then you know when ice became available <laughs> all around around the country, uh, we started using the ice for the for to add the water into the cocktail. Um, And the same thing like with any, you know, like another, another great template is a margarita. You know, you have, you have your, you have tequila, lime juice, orange liqueur, like this is three ingredients, but you can, in that, you can really change it up. You could take out the orange liqueur. There's um, uh, a great margarita out of San Francisco called the Tommy's margarita that is tequila, lime juice, and just agave nectar. And that's it. And it's really bright. And and um, I don't know if tart's the right word, but I guess bright's the right word.
1: Vivacious. Um,
2: vivacious. But in that, you can switch around. You can have an, you could do an Añejo. You could do, again, dark sugar for your sweetener. You can just really play around. Juice, Blood orange juice. Get. Yeah. Just really play around within the categories of the
0: ingredients. Can you sum up one takeaway you'd like to have uh, for the readers who uh, who get the book?
1: Um, drink what you like
0: and, I have think, fun.
1: and have fun. I think that because, um, uh, mixology has become such a sophisticated enterprise in the last, I don't know, what we say, 15 years or so, um, people, you get really cerebral about it and, and that's awesome. Like there are, you know, extremely smart, focused people kind of pushing the boundaries of what cocktails are and that's great. And at the same time the average person really just kind of wants a drink um and if you want a raspberry mojito no one should turn up their nose at you for liking that if you want um this kind of martini versus that kind of martini you know you you, you should drink what you like Life, yeah. life's too short to be judging yourself or anyone else for their drink preferences so we hope that in this book there's just a little something for everyone um when I think about my own favorite cookbooks, it's not necessarily that I make every single recipe from them. It's that I've found a few that just really, really stay with me over time. And so I think our hope is that people will find, you know, whatever their style of drinking, they'll find a drink or two they really grab onto in this book.
2: One of the things I like about the book is the the format. There's There's space on the page to make notes um yeah right all over it so you know right all right all over it you know circle what you like my my hope would be you tried this drink you tried that drink you tried this drink um and you really liked an ingredient in drink a but you like the base in drink b you know it's like i want people to be able to just make their own drink you know take this take that take the other thing and and write your own recipe
0: Now that the the book will be out of this airing, and I want to mention to listeners that this will have links to uh, the new book and uh, their their previous book in the bio. Um, What's next for you guys?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. That's a (laughs) good question. (laughs) Um, We'll do spirits writing and consulting together. Uh, This book has been several years in the making.
0: Pandemic got in the way of it. (laughs) Yeah, with a lot of people, I hear that a lot. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah uh we had a we had a baby in the middle of yeah, we it now two. Yeah. so there's it
0: got away a little he got in the
2: way a little bit It <laughs> happens uh, yeah. yeah
1: so you know we're, we're still we're still experimenting with recipes um doing some writing stuff like that but uh no major plans for a next yeah. book yet
0: yeah not yet well great are you guys gonna be touring the uh, doing any book signings in the bay area
1: um we are uh, we have events planned at Omnivore Books in San Francisco. Ah, of um, course the best. The best you know like everyone. Um and then a big launch party up in Sebastopol and then we're um doing cocktails for Kepler's Books uh holiday party down in Memo Park.
0: Nice. Um, also good.
1: Yes, also some some classic stores there. So we're excited.
2: The uh, bars what day is that? Um
1: that's November
2: eighteenth, and we can we can send yeah. all this information. Yeah, over November eighteenth well. at Fern Bar in the Barlow in
0: Sebastopol. Oh, great! Yeah, if you send me a list, I'll put that in the bio as well, so people that are local can attend those. That'd be really cool. Awesome. Great. Uh, I want to really thank you guys for being on the podcast, Carrie and John. Thank you for being here. You guys are wonderful guests. I really appreciate this. I want to recommend this book to everybody who wants to do some drinks over the holidays. There's a really good selection here. It's a wonderful, inventive, fun book. You're going to have a good time with it, and I want to say it, i say it again. It would make the perfect gift for anybody. So there you go. A great gift gift uh, guide for the holidays all in one. Carrie and John, thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Dean. Thanks this was so really much. fun.
2: Appreciate it.
0: That was my conversation with John McCarthy and Carrie Jones. Their new book, Every Cocktail Has a Twist, is out through all media outlets. You can get it through the link in the bio, as you can also get their previous bartending book as well. We do also have links if you're living in the Bay Area, so you can go to some of their events. Uh, They're having one in Omnivore Books coming up next week. You're going to want to check that out if you live locally. Omnivore Books is also just a magnificent bookstore to visit, so you can get two for uh, bring a lot of money because you're going to want to spend it there. It's a great place. Next week, we're going to be having Las Vegas local Elisa Chavitone, She's going to be talking about her books, Italian Cookbook for Two, Vegetarian Ketogenic Cookbook for Beginners, Food with Spirit, Alcohol-Infused Recipes. It is out now, a new book, and that's going to be next week. I had a wonderful conversation with Alicia. Um, she's somebody that I really enjoy having on the podcast. we will be looking forward to having on again. And that's going to be next week. Until then, I hope you guys are having a wonderful week and a wonderful holiday this weekend as well. Um, For all of you, uh, if you're a veteran um, like I am, um, happy Veterans Day. I hope you're having a really uh, wonderful uh, weekend with that with your families. Until next week, I'll be seeing you at the library.